save the city. Um, myself, Charles Lewis, mm-hmm. um, the chief, the mayor, Charlesville tomorrow, my friend Shadi Gilliam. Um, we all got together and we said, you know what? We need to come and just talk to the city. You know, find out how everybody feels. Find out, you know, what's going on. Let the the mayor and let the uh, police chief like kind of just talk to us as family. You know, we have enough. In my opinion, we have enough um, fake news, mm. you know, and we have enough polished news. Mm-hmm. And but we don't have any real news. Mm. You know, we don't have any real feelings. We don't have people interjecting saying, you know, I'm scared. Like, mm. you know, we, we don't that's have deep, people saying, OK, everybody that's doing all these crimes that we don't like aren't from here. And somebody stepping up and saying, no, these people are from here. They have a connection. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So what we're going to do for the next hour and a half is talk real. You know, um, me personally, the chief is a friend of mine. The mayor is a friend of mine, you know, and I know their hearts and I know that they want um Peace in the city, no different than any of the rest of us. So mm. what we here at In My Humble Opinion and our friends are going to do is um, we're going to give you the chance to hear them talk like we talk to them as friends and family. So we can try to come together and figure out what this is. What do you think, Joe? Mm. I can dig it. Okay. I can dig it, man. And, and you know, this strikes on a different chord for me. This is not just some rhetoric, you know, that we're doing. This is not just reporting news from some. Uh, you know, distant place and land and people that we don't know and understand. This is about the city that we love. This is about the people that we love. This is about being a black man. Yeah. Right. And this is about seeing young black boys who are just looking for life. Right. Yeah. Looking yeah. for life. Yeah. And when I say looking for life, meaning growing, understanding who they are mm-hmm. and figured out what's the best choices to get to the point to where it, where they want to end up. Yeah. And sometimes life gets so misconstrued to where they lose focus of it and make choices that they otherwise would not make. Yeah. And I started that by saying being a black man, Uh because to me, that's the number one, like that's the root right here. Like, like when we step up, Mm -hmm. when we take control of our homes, our Mm -hmm. community, that's when I think that we're going to see a real difference. Um, Men, Women, black, white, but as a black man, I'm going to say it starts with us, the foundation. Yeah. Now, one thing that I want people to understand is that I've, I've been to the bottom. I've been to the top. I've been uh, now where I would be considered a good role model, and I've walked the path that you might look at me with a side eye. You know, And one thing that I know about our young black men is we don't take the opportunities that we don't know exist. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say that is that before Barack Obama as a black child, I would have never thought that a black person could become president and coming up as a kid. I just didn't think that was reserved for us, Mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of opportunities to me start in the mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. Cause you can put a million dollars in front of somebody and it will only last so long because they are not equipped mentally to understand that this is for me. And in this show right here, right? I want to, we're getting ready to address some of our friends, you know, let them say hi, let them tell you, you know, how they feel, what, what we're going with this. And mm-hmm. hopefully by the end of it, it will at least get the conversation going where we know we need one another. You know, there comes a time where 
arguments become trivial, mm. you know, and you need to understand that, okay, that could be your child on that T-shirt. Absolutely. You know, at least in my generation, we put you on T-shirts. Now you get a little picture on mm. Facebook. Get a hashtag. Until it just goes off. And that's mm. not, that's not what we were created for. Mm. So everybody that's on here with me, I welcome you. I thank you. Elliot, Jesse, Shadi. Shade, I'm sorry, I said Shade. Shade, um, and my friend, Chief Rochelle Brackney. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, Shade, congratulations. I haven't seen you or talked to you um, during this pandemic, but congratulations. Please give that beautiful wife of yours my regards. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Shellsville tomorrow. How y'all doing? I'm doing well. It's it's been a week without it's Friday. Yeah. Jesse? It's been a I'm gonna echo what Elliot said. It has been a week. Okay. Well <laughs> well let's kinda jump into it. Chief, I'll I'll start with you, not for putting you on the spotlight, but spotlight, but as a mode of respect that I have for you, you know. Um my first question that I would want to know is why do we feel like there has been an increase in these type of crimes all of a sudden? So thank you for having me, uh, me and also thank you for putting this together so quickly. Um, that tells you how the community cares about these issues um, that, you know, we, we put out a call yesterday and today you're responding mm -hmm. as to how you can help um, make a difference in this community. So violence um, is spiking across the United States. Mm -hmm. Homicides are up and shootings are up um, as well. And it's almost this perfect confluence of factors that are, are coming together. Um, let's first start with saying that I know none of us condones violence mm -hmm. um, on this on this program. And we, we've learned to um, move through as we've matured different ways to handle conflict. Um, but as our, our young persons um, have not been given or not provided the opportunities for those same tools to mediate their differences. Um, violence and, and guns are the way they feel respected, um, regain their power, um, say, notice me, I am to be considered. Um, so why is it going across? Not only Shelfsville, but here. Mm -hmm. Most of them are often economic drivers, senses of powers i say all the time in communities you will create an economy if you do not have access to um the traditional business economies that uh, middle class america has access to mm -hmm. if you are shut out of um, opportunities to make a living wage you will find a way to be resilient in your communities and to survive in your communities and those maladaptive and i'm air quoting maladaptive strategies that we look at or an outgrowth of being forced to come up with another way to gain access um, and mm -hmm. to gain entry into um, wealth and economies and, and, and having the same type of, you know, life that we see on TV mm -hmm. that we um, want to emulate um, as we even walk around here in, in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does not go unnoticed that, you know, the average home here is now going for eight, $900,000 um, mm -hmm. and, um, who has access? Yeah. Who can afford that? But you see it. 
and you want it just like everyone else. And you see people with cars and you want it just like everyone else. And you want access to good food like everyone else. Right. When I see the lines in Whole Foods and Trader Joe's um, all the way around in Wegmans to get into the spaces, you see people want to have access to, to, to good, healthy food. And um, there's no way to get that when you're squabbling over a $600 relief check. Yeah, um, that's right. People will need money and they need it now. Um, again, not condoning violence, but understand there are drivers. And in this current pandemic, when you have 20, 30, 40 million people unemployed um, and the gulf between wealth and um, those who have it and those who don't is getting wider and wider and wider and wider. Um, and has continued on that trajectory more so in the last four years. What do we think is going to be the natural outgrowth of that? Yeah. And then we all clutch our pearls, no pun intended that I happen to be wearing some. Then we all <laughs> clutch our pearls saying, what is going on um, in these community and communities across the nation? Let me ask you it this. It's been perfectly configured to happen. Let me ask you this. Mm. And this is a question that I, it, it took me getting to close to a police officer, as close as I am to you, to be able to ask this kind of question. How difficult is it for a person of color that is with law enforcement, knowing that the system, like you said, has been set up for failure for certain people and still pushing the law system? Like because you have a job you have to do. It says that if you're doing this, this is what you have to do. If you do this, this is what I have to do. But as a person of color, how difficult is it to know that the system has been set up for failure and you still have to do your job? So being able to do this job, um, won't, I've never been able to um, devoid, decouple my race and ethnicity from the work that I do. As you notice, I use words like criminal legal system. I don't use criminal justice system, understanding that it is not a just system. However, that does not mean um, that I don't play a role in this. And if I abdicate that role, what does it look like if somebody like me is not sitting in this space, really advocating for justice in a system um, that has never been built on a foundation of justice? However, um, as I tell people all the time, wealthy folks will have police in their systems. They will have them in their communities. They have the money and they can afford protections, mm -hmm. either through their gated communities for private security um, and other ones. And those ones who are often calling for, you know, the dismantling of policing systems are the ones who are not affected by those systems. So they don't care how it's being dismantled because it doesn't affect their everyday life anyway. Um, so how do I, how do I hold that line? Um, the way I hold that line is every community deserves to live in a place um, where they feel safe. You're not just your home, your community. And um, that's how I, I do it, that I think about what does fear look like? Why shouldn't I be able to, as a, a five or six year old, go out to a tot lot and play on the playground and not worry right. about shots being fired? Right. So for me, staying in this place um, understand that there are things that we all say there that we don't condone um, and that we all have to have a play a part in enforcing those norms where it becomes the norm that we live in a healthy, thriving space and not the opposite. So for me to stay in, in this work and, and doing this work, um, I don't struggle 
in the same ways because I've been in this work for a very long time. This isn't a new approach for me. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't, I got brand new just because, (laughs) you know, Colin Kaepernick took a knee or I got brand new um, after the marches um, that started under Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin in 2012 and 2013. I didn't just get brand new at this. So staying in this space, um, I feel comfortable because the approach and what I'm committed to doing to, to really um, doing no harm in those communities, you can still serve a community and, and still enforce public safety um, mm-hmm. and create an atmosphere of public safety without one that um, is oppressive. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break here, but I want to leave you with something I want you to think about. What does defund the police mean to a police officer? We'll be right back with this In My Humble Opinion exclusive in a minute. 